to Voices of the Belt and Road podcast, brought to you by the Belt and Road Advisory, your professional advisors on all matters concerning the Belt and Road Initiative. Voices of the Belt and Road is our flagship podcast, and with each episode, we'll hear the personal stories of people who are part of the Belt and Road Initiative. The aim of this podcast is to demystify the initiative by interviewing a broad array of people whose lives are impacted day in and day out by the world's largest cross-border trade initiative and infrastructure build-up. On this podcast, in addition to university researchers, think tank experts, and policymakers, you can also hear from business people, workers, and countless others involved in the Belt and Road. You'll hear people tell their own personal stories in their own languages, because at the end of the day, the Belt and Road Initiative is changing people's lives, and we want you to hear it from them. Please enjoy this week's podcast, and thanks for tuning in. Hello everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Voices of the Belt and Road podcast. I'm your host, Greg Stetz. In this episode, we're looking into a specific region, Central and Eastern Europe, and its role within the Belt and Road Initiative. That is why today we are recording from Chinese Academy of Social Sciences in Beijing, and our guest is Professor Liu Zhuokui, Director of Department of China, Central and Eastern Europe, at the Chinese Academy of Social Sciences, who is also actively developing 16 plus 1 China Central and Eastern Europe think tanks network. Professor, it is my pleasure to welcome you on the show. My pleasure to be here. Please tell us a bit about your background and about the 16 plus 1 China Central and Eastern Europe think tanks network. I'm currently a research fellow of the European Institute of the Chinese Academy of Social Sciences. Director of the China Central and Eastern Europe Office. My research interest mainly includes 16 plus 1, so cooperation between Central and Eastern European countries, also referred to as CEEC, and China. I'm also the director of the Office of the 16 plus Think Tank Network, a network of exchange and cooperation between think tanks of Central and Eastern European countries. We mainly engage in exchanges and cooperation between China and 16 countries in CEE. This network of exchange and cooperation was proposed by our Chinese Premier, Li Keqiang, during the first China CEEC high-level meeting in Suzhou in 2015, leaders of both regions jointly signed the Suzhou Agreement and jointly proposed that the Chinese Academy of Social Sciences should take the lead in setting up a network of exchange and cooperation among CEE national think tanks. This is a very high-end platform, which was initiated by the joint initiative of 17 ministers of our government. The secretariat of this platform is currently located at the European Institute of Social Sciences in China. We actively coordinate matching think tank activities when our leadership, such as Xi Jinping or Li Keqiang, attend high-level visits in CEEC. In addition, we also participate in research, offer training courses, and hold a high-level think tank forum. The China CEEC High Level Think Tank Forum. We will continue these efforts in order to build this platform better, more inclusive, and more open. If you were to explain in two or three sentences to someone who's not familiar with the mm. subject, what is the 16 plus 1 China Central and Eastern Europe Initiative, and what is the role of CEE within the Belt and Road Initiative? This is a quite difficult task, but let me try. First off, 16 plus 1 was established in 2012 and initiated by China with the support of 16 Central and Eastern European countries. 
Its basic function is to create a platform where China and CEC can gather to explore collaboration on common projects and other forms of cooperation. We want to promote common feelings among people. Second, this platform is only about economics, trade and people. It is not political, not about military, but purely to foster economic, trade and cultural cooperation. I think these two features sum up the core of 16 plus 1. CEE is a very important region. We know that when the Belt and Road was first launched, it mainly promoted the interconnectivity of the Eurasian continent. This means connectivity from our periphery to Central Asia to Russia, to Central and Eastern Europe, and then to Europe. CEE is a core and hub of the Eurasian continent, and its geographic location is important for the Belt and Road. In order to promote Sino-European cooperation, the CEE market is very important. Many researchers criticize 16 plus 1 framework for mm. not bringing concrete results. Mm. What is your view? And what are, in your view, the top three success stories of the Belt and Road Initiative in Central and Eastern Europe? This point of view is untenable. The 16 countries have cooperated for five years, and in my view, achievements are remarkable. I'll give you three success stories or three layers of this. The first is investment. China's investment in CEE has made remarkable progress. Even in Poland, which has been complaining about a relatively low investment, the medium-sized investment of small and medium enterprises in Poland has increased in the last years. During this period, I went to Hunan, to the local government in Ningbo, to have a look and found there were a lot of investments in Poland. The amount and scale of investment are relatively small, but there has been a steep increase in the overall amount since 2012. China also invests a lot in Serbia. This was an unimaginable situation a few years ago. The second level is the cultural exchange. I can personally say that because I've been engaged in this kind of exchange. I personally felt that before 2012, China's people-to-people -people exchanges with the CEEC were very limited because it wasn't really on anyone's agenda. But just take a look now at the exchange of scholars think tanks, and even academic communities between CEEC and China after 2012 under the 16 plus one. I met a lot of friends in CEE, met a lot of young and promising scholars, and met some senior think tank scholars, as well as policy makers. This was unimaginable before. I once told my friends in the Bank of China that without a platform like 16 plus one, you could not have visited China several times a year so easily nor could I go to visit Central and Eastern European countries for exchanges so often. The amount of students from CEEC that go to study in China on Chinese government scholarships have increased in volume even more. The third example is tourism. In the past two years, Chinese tourists have increasingly seen the potential of the tourism market in Central and Eastern Europe. Every year, more and more tourists visit CEE, including Hungary, Poland, and other destinations for guided tours. We have now opened many direct flight routes to Poland. Poland's national airlines open branches in China, and Chinese airlines like Air China also open branches in Poland. Likewise, we have more flight routes to places like Budapest from Beijing, Shanghai or Sichuan. Why are these branches open? Because tourists have this demand. They want to go to Central and Eastern Europe to explore. They are much more than just three examples of success of the 16 plus one. 
I could go on and talk about concrete results based on the facts that we see in areas like science, education, culture, health, trade, and high-level exchange. If I could ask you for, mm. let's say, uh, one or two, maybe two examples of investments, uh, what were the biggest investments uh, done under, under the Belt and Road Initiative in Central and Eastern Europe? It is difficult to say which investment is the biggest. Because from 2012 to now, the size of investment projects changed over time. For example, we used 10 billion US dollars in special loans for the north and south of Montenegro. But our first investments were about 1 billion US dollars. This was a great investment for Montenegro. But later, our investments in the Hungarian railway was even larger. There are also some private sector investments, which are not small in scale. A large amount was invested in Hungary through a company in Shandong province. In the Balkans, investment has set a record of 1 billion US dollars, and there will be a lot more investments in this region that will be bigger. So you can see that now it is too early to say which investment is the biggest, because there are a lot of investments that will continue to break the record. Many say that China is using 16 plus 1 framework mm. to divide the European Union. Mm. China opposes this statement. And why do you think that the EU holds such a belief? Uh, is 16 plus 1 an obstacle for the European Union to engage more fully with the Belt and Road Initiative? This argument is made at a very early stage of 16 plus 1. I would say that from a perspective of ruling and dividing Europe, it was rather the United States that contributed to major events of divisions. But it has never really caused a strong reaction from EU side to point at the US. Look, for example, at the Iraq war or the financial crisis in the Eurozone. Comparatively, China is not doing as much as the United States in Europe. EU rules are now very strong and binding on each member state. As an outsider that is neither a member of the North Atlantic community nor a member of the European Union, what rules could China even implement? I find it hard to see the powerful tools that China would have to divide and rule the EU. Of course, one has to consider that with 27 or 28 member states, each country has a different view on foreign policy, and this can spark division when requests from other countries are made. So, overall, do you think that 16 plus 1 is an obstacle for efficient China-EU cooperation on Belt and Road Initiative, or do you think that China-EU relations actually benefit from existence of 16 plus 1? The cooperation between China and the EU in the framework of the Belt and Road is efficient. From a scholarly point of view, platforms like 16 plus 1 really help us to trigger cooperation along different regions of the Belt and Road. 16 plus 1 helps China to streamline this process. Of course, having such a big platform does not mean that we ignore the decisions of individual member states. And we often encourage voluntary market-oriented forms for our partners to participate. 16 plus 1 will not constitute an obstacle to China-EU relations. Why? We respect that of the 16 countries, the 11 EU member states must cooperate under the EU legal framework. This is our first principle. The second is that they have been involved in creating projects in fairness and transparency and try everything to conform to EU principles. Third, through cooperating with CEE, we hope to promote greater friendship between China and Europe overall. China does not have the intention to break EU rules, 
and to negatively influence China-EU relations. After all, in the past 20 years, the EU has been our largest trading partner, our main market and our major partner. Which Central and Eastern European companies have so far benefited from 16 plus 1 initiative mm. and BRI? Mm. How did they manage to succeed? And please give us a couple of concrete examples. Before I answer this question, I must say something about the particularity of CEE. There exists now an academic term related to CEEC called Dependent Capitalist Model of Development. This means that most of the countries in this region depend on foreign investment, particularly on the European and American markets or the Asian markets to boost development. The foreign investment capacity of the countries in this region is not particularly strong. There is more inflow than outflow in investments in CEE. Yet, there are still many companies in Central and Eastern European countries that have made successful investments in China. For instance, some small and medium-sized enterprises from Croatia, Slovenia and the Czech Republic have been relatively successful in investing in China because they were not big companies. Multinational companies, however, still have limited influence. So really, it is mainly small and medium-sized enterprises from CEE that are coming to China to invest. Taking an example of Central and Eastern European countries, what is the advice that you would give for smaller countries when engaging with the Belt and Road Initiative? First of all, China adheres to the principle of equality, despite of any size. As a country, you can participate in the Belt and Road according to your wishes and aspirations. Second, small and medium-sized countries can participate in the Belt and Road according to their size and characteristics. For example, what we are now focusing on with Estonia is cooperation in e-commerce because its e-commerce is very developed and the penetration rate very high. With Serbia, its infrastructure interconnectivity that is rather weak, so we are willing to cooperate in this field with them. There is no standard formula along the way, no specific agenda for advancement. It tries to be an open, mutually beneficial and win-win process that includes specific needs that countries have. Small and medium-sized enterprises or small and medium-sized countries have great cooperation potential. Our cooperation framework with 16 plus and some small and medium-sized countries have already formed some interesting areas of cooperation with special characteristics. This includes agriculture in Bulgaria, infrastructure in Serbia and in Montenegro, clean energy sources in Bosnia and Herzegovina, and logistics cooperation with Hungary all of these areas have had success and produced fruitful results. So I encourage small and medium-sized countries to consider their own characteristics and their own advantages when they consider to participate in the Belt and Road. And that's it for today's episode, mm -hmm. Professor Liu. Mm -hmm. It was a pleasure to hear your insights on China, Central and Eastern European relations. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you very much for the opportunity to share these points.
That's this week's Voices of the Belt and Road podcast. If you want to learn more about the Belt and Road Initiative, check out our website at beltandroad.ventures. That's Belt and Road, one word, no spaces, and dot ventures, V-E-N-T-U-R-E-S. On the website, you can subscribe to our weekly Belt and Road Bulletin and also follow our Belt and Road Advisory social media accounts on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. That way, you'll always be up to date on what is happening on the Belt and Road. Thanks for tuning in and see you next week.